Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker here. We got a really, um, it's really unfortunate that we're covering this topic, it, you know, really, Pastor, in um, 2017. It really is. But as, as everyone knows, unless you've been underneath a rock, this the situation that happened um, this past weekend in Charlottesville, um, Virginia, was um, dis- disappointing. And, and and really tragic because we had one person that passed away during during the um, demonstration that was there. So I'm gonna welcome uh, Dr. Daniels to the show and and let's have a brief discussion on how we should handle this or handle situations like this as Christians. Uh, good uh, good day to everyone, and um, I, I agree with you. It's it's a very tragic thing. It's it's a um, a turning point, I do believe. Um, in where we are in our political, our social um, uh, sphere within this this country, um, it, it is uh, an opportunity as well for us to either uh, leap forward or, or fall back. And I don't think anyone will be the same. Uh, not because there haven't been wonderful, one, you know, wonderful events that's happened in the past, but because this is kind of a defining event for a new generation. You know, the millennials have never really experienced um, this type of deep-seated divide in the country that many of us who are baby boomers or those who are prior to my generation that we grew up with. And so our response to this is so important, not just as a nation, but especially as those in the Christian community, uh, because we in the Christian community have been instructed to serve as the salt of the earth, that we are supposed to be able to season the earth. So it is our responsibility to ensure that we are able to allow love to conquer hate. And so that's why I'm saying that the Christians have a real responsibility to make a positive statement in light of what's happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you a question, Pastor. You know, we was talking before we um, hit the record button Mm -hmm. about uh, what you had been through in in the 60s. And I remember uh, coming up and around in or late 80s, early 90s, when, you know, uh, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing came out. Then we had Michael X come out. So it was more of a progressive movement amongst black people mm-hmm. and, um, you know, being uh, black power, so to speak, like back with, you know, James Brown back in the 60s right. and, and the 70s. And then it dissipated. But then we had, you know, we did have that that instance where Rodney King's situation happened and we had the riots. I'm starting to see a pattern that we're that we're having every 30, 20 or 30 years or so. Mm-hmm. So the question I'm asking you, Pastor, is what can we do to stop this pattern from happening? Or is, is there anything we can do? There is a lot we can do. And, and I'm saying this to the to clergy uh, everywhere, to Christians everywhere, that we have to stop being hypocritical, bottom line. And, and, and I'm saying this especially to, especially to my white brothers in the clergy, but also to my black brothers in, in the clergy and, and to all faiths and, and to all clergy, whether you're black, brown, red, green, blue, purple, what have you. Um, number one, um, if you look at the basic number of, of hate groups, they are predominantly white um a white nationalist kind of group, those that espouse a, a white America as if um, this country was built uh, by uh, singularly by white men. Uh, right. And we know that's not the case now. Uh, and, 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 and most of those groups, for example, like the KKK, have the audacity <clears throat> 
to espouse Christian principles and beliefs, and, and they use um, the, the Bible, uh, uh, Genesis in particular, uh, to give leverage to their thought that the white race ought to be dominant. And what they look at is because of the situation with Noah and his sons. Now, um, the deal is simple. You know, all the clergy know that's a lie. They know good and well that the Bible says that we are created in God's image. It didn't just say white men were created in God's image, but that uh, mankind was created in God's image. So for any group to hate any man based on his color is to really hate the God that created him. So um, you cannot have a group of individuals that say they are Christians, uh, but yet they espouse hatred among other individuals that are human beings. And and these uh, so-called Christian leaders who know they have members in their congregation that are white separatists, that are hate mongers, they need to stand up and tell those individuals that they are dead wrong and, and, and they should let them know they are wrong. And and they should not hide behind a belief system uh, just to keep members in their congregation, uh, because that's just not uh, the Christian thing to do. We are a nation that says... Uh, we have a deep-seated belief in God. We operate on currency that says in God we trust. And, and our, our founding fathers, uh, when they developed the Constitution, even though they have a separation of, of church and state, the principles were, were, were Christian principles. Right. Uh, so whether you are a Christian, whether you are a Jew or Muslim, uh, whatever your faith uh, we have to uh, uh, step out uh, and 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 be um, strong in our actions, and be strong in our words, and not mince words. Uh, to let folk know that love is order today. And I'm going to say this, and then uh, uh, and and then I'll let you jump in here. But um, if you look at the numbers, look at the numbers. Um, we have a, a a country that says the majority of the population have religious beliefs that are either Christian, Muslim, you know, Judaism, so forth and so on. If we have a country that's founded on that principle that there is a a, 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 a singular God that is in charge of us all, then how in the world can we have those kind of groups that are so pervasive, you know, in our communities? And I'm saying it's because those leaders of those churches have refused to outright denounce that kind of hatred. I'm going to ask this question. Um, you know, with some some areas in life, you can be caught in a bubble. If you was born you know, in that environment, you know, and you was taught that you don't really know any better, like, you, you know, some black people, uh, you probably experienced yourself. I know I have. I've walked into a predominantly white neighborhood and you can see a child look at you strange because they've never seen a black person, mm-hmm. you know, or a person of color. So, but if they're raised that way and they're, and you're raised in a church and the church is built on those type standards, whether it be right or wrong, mm-hmm. but the person that's coming up inside of that church or inside the organization, would they not know any different if they're, you know, being misled by the pastor of that church? Well, if 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 that's the case, then it's not a church, it's a cult. And that's the difference between a cult and a church of God. Okay. Right. Now here's why I say that. The Bible says in the book of Romans that thou art inexcusable, O man, meaning that there is no excuse for the heart not recognizing 
the teachings of God, because the Bible says that God placed within us that desire to know the truth and to understand the truth. Let's say I am raised in a church that does not expressly say that hatred toward any race is wrong. Let's say that's not what they say. It is impossible to teach the gospel. It's impossible to teach the gospel where Jesus says, by this shall you know, shall men know that you are mine, that you show love one for the other, where the gospel says that the, uh, when, the, when Jesus was questioned about what is the greatest commandment, and he said to love the Lord, your, your God, with all your mind, body, heart, and soul. And the second is like unto the first, to love your neighbor as yourself, uh, not meaning just the person that lives beside me, but mankind as myself. Um, that's why I say it is impossible for any preacher any r- rabbi, in, in, you know, in, in, any anyone that's in charge of any religious group to say that I didn't know that I was supposed to teach that hatred was wrong. Right. I didn't know that I should teach love is that thing that binds all of us, whether you be a Christian pastor, whatever you, you know, whether you be a black pastor or a white pastor, there's no way I can get in a pulpit and espouse hate. No way. Now, I can hate the sin, but I should never hate the sinner. Right. And, and, and so I cannot call you sin just because of the color of your skin. That, that's, that's just downright foolishness. I cannot blame you for my ineptitude. You know, we like to blame other people for where we are. You know, I am so disgusted with uh, people always blaming other folk for their downfalls. Right. Listen, the, 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 and, and I'm all for things like, you know, um, legit, legitimate immigration. We have to have a great immigration policy, no doubt. But here's the deal. I can't blame uh, a, a, a immigrant if I don't have a job, if I have done nothing to secure the, <laughs> right. the, the talent and the education to get the job. Right. It is a competitive world. And so I need to position myself so that you want to hire me and not complain that you don't. I'm so tired of hearing people talk about, oh, this is reverse discrimination and, and da, 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 da. You know, that, uh, give me a break. Uh, let's, let's just get for real. They'll say things like, well, yeah, but you're hiring or you're letting this person come to your school and they are not as qualified as their white counterpart. Uh, and they may say one case out of the thousands and thousands right. and thousands of people that enter college every day. And right. they'll find one case and say, hey, it's reverse discrimination. No, it's not. For, let me, for a quick couple of reasons. Number one is... We all know that a grade is not the only determinant as to how well you do in college. Right. So one person may have a 3.8 and one person may have a 4.0. The issue is not just what the grade is, but how I got the grade, you know, because it may be easier for you to get a 4.0 if you have computers, if you have all the resources that you need to get your work done. And if I don't have those resources to get my work done, it may be harder for me to get the 3.8, but it also may show I'm more, uh, my, my intellect 
may be above yours because I could get the 3.8 without the computer right. and you had a computer and, and, you know, and you got what you got. It might mean that I had to work 40 hours a week because my parents couldn't send me to prep school right. like your parents sent you to prep school, mm-hmm. but yet I was still able to get an A average. That shows what? That I really have more on the ball than you have on the ball. So just to use that one factor is is, is a false positive in my in, in the way I look at it. So again, you know, my thing is that, I, you know, I, I agree with Paul when he, Paul said um, about the direction of the Holy Spirit, thou art inexcusable, old man. There is no excuse for any member of the clergy, no matter what the faith, to espouse hatred or to tolerate hatred um, and, and, and justify it in, 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 in any way. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, another question. With Christianity having so many different denominations, is this could that be part of the weakness in Christianity for being able to tackle this type of subject because you have so many different types mm-hmm. You know, for lack of better words, of Christians, I know I would have to say no because the um, if you look at um, Christianity uh, in 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 most neighborhoods, and let's take Boston for example. Uh, um, I remember Boston in the seventies and early eighties, for example. Most uh, Bostonians are Roman Catholic, Mm -hmm. right now. one would think that the dogma for Roman Catholic, for Catholicism, um, which, which espouses, you know, a, a loving God, would allow all Roman Catholics to think alike. In fact, the Pope at that time um, was a strong advocate of uh, Martin Luther King and Martin Luther King's nonviolent movement. But yet when they tried to integrate the schools in Boston, they were met with extreme violence. Right. And so uh, they went against their own pope in, 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 in that regard. Right. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the the the, the um, denomination that was the issue. It was the hatred in the individual that was the issue. It was the fact that, in my opinion, I don't know, I wasn't in those those churches, that someone did not come on on, on Sunday morning and tell their parishioners that what you are doing is wrong, that the God that you serve does not appreciate you boycotting based on your hatred of people. You got to come with something better than that. reason why you think I can't go to school with you, not because of the color of my skin. How does my dark skin keep you from getting a good grade? How in the world can you presume that my dark skin means I'm going to rape your child or yeah. I'm going to steal from you or anything else? It, it, here's the irony of it. And, I, and I'm not saying this as a, as a negative, I'm saying this as a matter of fact. How can a, a, a group of white men call blacks thieves when they stole this nation? <laughs> how how right. can you call me a thief or blacks thieves and blacks this when the land here belongs? The, the, the Native Americans are the only ones that can say rightfully so. This is our land. Right. They're the only ones. We are a nation of immigrants. How can you say put all the immigrants out when you are illegal immigrant? I don't recall not one Native American inviting us here 
Nor do I recall any Native American saying to any person that came here, it's okay for you to become a citizen right. of, uh, you know, of, of this land. So if you look at the same criteria that we try to impose on other people, we were illegal immigrants. We just became the majority and decided, hey, we'll do what we want to do. Right. You know, so the, the whole concept that they throw out doesn't make uh, Christian sense, nor did it even make good sense if you're going to look at things and use the same parameter uh, for for every incident. It just doesn't make sense. You know, I, this is um, this reminds me of a conversation I had when I was in college. And I was in, I was on the panel because I was uh, on the vice president of Pan Helena panel panel, and um, a guy asked a question. He said, um, "Have you ever noticed as Greeks that the this Christian nation only attacks other Muslim nations?" And you know, this is a, we're in a deep conversation. I'm a, I think I'm like a junior in college. Now, mm-hmm. granted, at the time, I was nowhere near in depth. And, you know, this was a very deep question mm-hmm. that, that I had to answer, you know, on the panel. So I just said, I don't know. I don't know why that's so. Mm-hmm. But you would think globally as Christians, it's like globally, we seem like we got it together. Mm-hmm. Right. But when it comes down, but if you look with a microscope inside of Christianity, we do have some issues, you know, from the um, the Catholics with their priests and, and that mm-hmm. coming out with the movie Spotlight. If you mm-hmm. haven't seen that, I suggest mm-hmm. you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how you handle certain things as Christianity and Christians, I kind of feel like, Pastor, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Christianity is seems to be more of an individual type of uh, religion that I got to focus on myself, not necessarily on everybody else. Or because if I get caught up, in, I could get caught up in the wrong thing or, or am I looking at it wrong? Well, I think what you're looking at is the person and not the um, tenets of the religion itself. Mm-hmm. You know, people are selfish. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that doesn't mean the teachings of Christ were selfish. In right. fact, it's total opposite. Uh, again, think about what Jesus said the, the greatest commandments are. Number one, love God with your entire mind, body, heart, and soul. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. So that takes out selfishness if I'm to love my neighbor right. as myself. Uh, you know, th- if you consider, again, all of the teachings of Christ, the teachings of Christ are never inward. The teachings of Christ tell us to reach outward, to always be a help to those that are less fortunate than we are. You know, that's the teachings of Christ. And the teachings of Christ say, by this shall you know that you are my child, that you love Others as I have loved you, you know. See, that's that's outward thinking. That's not inward thinking. Now, the the unfortunate thing is that people have tried to hijack Christianity to suit their own needs and to suit their own feelings. That is where the problem lies, not in the teachings of Christ. Uh, Jesus' teachings are very plain, straightforward. Uh, there's not room for interpretation. What we like to do is put our own feelings in right. and say it is an interpretation. So we're making it more complicated. Uh, extremely complicated. The teaching is simple. You know, Jesus said that uh, 
if you consider what God's uh, reason was for sending prophets and establishing the Bible, he said all the prophets and all that is written are written for, for one reason, to teach you how to love one another. And that's simple. That's, that's, that, you know, that's not a, a huge thing. And then if you think about all of the basic um, commandments that most of us are aware of, you know, which are the Ten Commandments, for example. Right. There are more than ten. We just say ten. A lot more than ten, by the way. But, for example, consider the commandments. The first few of those ten that we look at deal with our relationship with God. The rest deal with our relationship with man, one with another. Okay. If I love my wife, for example. Well, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, that's just telling me how to love her, mm-hmm. right? Thou shalt bear, not bear false witness. In other words, don't, don't lie on my neighbor. That's how to love them. Because if I love you, I won't lie on you, right? Thou right. shalt not steal. If I love you, I won't take from you. Thou shalt not kill. If I love you, I won't, you know, harm you. See, all those laws were given to show us, to give us a yardstick so we would know how to love. Because, you know, you need something to give you, uh, I guess, um, an example, let's say. If I have that love in my heart, if I have true love in my heart, I don't need the commandments. Right. Because commandment just give me the outliers. If you go beyond this, you aren't showing love. Well, you're not going to steal from your child if you love them. You're not going to kill your child if you love them. You're not going to you know, commit adultery if you love your wife. Right. You know, matter of fact, if you love the other person, you're not going to commit adultery because, you know, that's hurting them, too. Right. You know, to have a relationship with someone else that you're not married to if you are married. You know, so all those things are self-evident. So it's not the, the Christianity that's the problem. It's that the people are not following Christian principles. Because if I'm following Christian principles, how can I not love everybody? See, even the racist person, I have to love them. I just don't like their ideas. Right. I don't hate the individual. I just like the idea that right. they are espousing. Now, let me give you an example. Let's say for the sake of argument, that I am, if, if I were a um, emergency room surgeon, okay, if I'm an emergency room surgeon and one of those um, neo-Nazis come in because they've had a car accident, should I save him or should I let him die? Save him. Save him. Why? Because I have love in my heart. Now think about prior to desegregation, the man that... Um, understood that blood could be used to save lives, died because a white hospital wouldn't let him in and give him blood. Hmm. Now, if they had love in their heart. Right. They'd have brought him in. They'd have brought him in. They wouldn't have said, I can't bring you in because you're black. Right. Because how can love let you die? Just because of the color of your skin, when you have the ability to save a person. Yeah. And one thing that we that we you was talking about and made me think was, which is a could be a whole nother subject of a podcast, which is why do we make the Bible and, and Jesus teachings much more complicated than what they really need to be. Mm-hmm. So I don't want you to answer that question. That sure. we'll save that for another mm-hmm. uh, podcast. But I do have another question for you is what actions 
should we take as Christians in in the midst of all of this that's going on right now? Uh, wonderful question. Here's the thing. You know, there's some people that say that um, re- uh, religion and politics don't mix. Um, there's nothing in the Bible to support that. <laughs> in fact, um, if you take a, a, a look at the Bible, um, the history has been different, you know. Right. Uh, so what we have to do as Christians is not allow those who are who don't espouse Christian principles to tell us that we should not get involved because we are Christians and that you can't mix religion with politics. You know, it, this, this is what they remind this is what this remind me of people who will steal from you will say things like this. Snitches get stitches, therefore you shouldn't tell on folk. <laughs> right. And the reason why you're, they're telling you that is because they don't want you to tell on them. Right. So it's supposedly it's such it's a bad thing to tell on folk. Wait a minute. If you steal from me, I'm telling everybody. Right. All right. Just that simple. Now, so the same people that don't want us to to take control as Christians tell us the same thing that, you know, you shouldn't be involved in this and that and these crazy things. Let me tell you, every Christian out here, every Christian should never vote for someone who they know espouse racist ideals or allows racism as a part of what they do. For example, there are so many so-called Christians, and I say so-called Christians because if you're following Christ, there's no way you could have voted for Donald Trump. No way. Because how could I vote for a man who I know openly disrespects and is willing to grope women? How can, as a Christian, can I do that? How can I, as a Christian, vote for someone who at a rally says, go ahead and sock them. If you do hit them, I'll pay for your defense. How can I vote for someone who expects? You know, who, who expressed that I want you to do, you know, be, be violent toward your brother just because I don't have the same view that you have don't mean that you should say be violent towards me. Right. You know, and so for a, 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 a candidate to say something like that to me, no Christian should have voted for him and no pastor should have ever uh, um, did anything to lift him up as a president. Now, once he is a president. We have no choice. He's our president. We all have to support him as the president, but you don't have to support his views when they go against the Bible. And anytime his views go against the Bible, we as Christians need to be a loud voice. We need to be sending letters. We need to be calling our congressmen. We need to be calling our senators and letting them know that, hey, listen, as a country, we cannot put up with this. We cannot put up with a president that lies constantly to us as people because the Bible says thou shalt not lie. You know, you shouldn't bear false witness. You shouldn't do those kinds of things. And he is a consummate liar. We should not allow that as Christians. Again, we support him. He's our president. I support him because he's my president, but I can't support the ideas that go against the Bible. Right. And that's the same for any elected official. And let me say this right quick. I have the highest regard for John McCain, the high regard. And my high regard 
although he was a great war hero, it's because I remember during the campaign trail when someone said something that was false about President Obama, who at that time was, you know, had, was not, hadn't been elected yet. And John McCain stopped her and said, wait a minute, that's not true. We don't need to say things that are false. And he corrected her. And, and, and there are people that booed him because of it. But I had the highest respect for that man because you know what? His thing was, I'm not going to sacrifice my principles just to be president. Right. You know, right. And, and, and I'm saying that's what we as Christians have to do. You don't sacrifice your principles just for party loyalty. I don't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat. I'm not going to sacrifice my Christian principles for party loyalty. And let me tell you, there are some Republicans that I have the highest regard for, local politicians right. that I support all the time because they carry themselves in a way that show that they are loyal to Christ as well as to their political affiliation. Yeah. You know, we've had many discussions on um, uh, Republicans versus Democrats. You know, it's, I wonder pastor, if it's a, a scenario where the, how people feel about sports mm-hmm. has now crept over into politics. Like I'm going to be team Republican mm-hmm. no matter what, mm-hmm. even when it comes down to voting, you know, even though I don't agree with Donald Trump, I'm going to select him because he's a Republican candidate mm-hmm. versus saying, OK, it's nothing wrong with saying um, I am a Republican, but mm-hmm. I don't agree with the the lead candidate or I agreed with somebody else in the primary. But so he my person didn't win. I may go over or not vote. Mm-hmm. You know, there's you you don't you know this have you have the right to vote, you also have the right to not vote. Right. right. You know, um so but it, it is it is funny how all this all of this stuff has come around full circle mm-hmm. with um with, uh President Trump. And what I need to remind everybody is that the office of the president, commander in chief, there's a certain type person that's got to be in that position, whether you like it or not. Right. There's a person's got a lot of decisions got to make. He's going to have to make a decision one time to actually kill people. Mm-hmm. He's got to make a decision to, you know, to protect his country. He's a commander in chief. So what I don't like about President Trump is that at no point has he ever acted like a commander in chief where you had the general population of America as your what you was going to do to help America as a whole. It still seems like he is trying to help America in one little small section of America, which is probably making up probably like 15 percent of America. But he's Mm -hmm. like he's focused on helping them versus Everybody, you're absolutely right, and and that is that is the huge issue because you campaign primarily to your group of supporters, no doubt. They're the ones that get you in office, but once you become president, you're president of the entire nation. Right. You know, bottom line. Now, um, for 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 this president that we have now, and is the one of the problems is his whole campaign was focused on 
separate, 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 divide and conquer, right. divide and conquer. His whole campaign was one of, 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 of hate mongering. I mean, you know, people may have looked at it that way, but, but if, if you, if you push that all Muslims are bad, that's hate mongering. If you push that all immigrants, you know, kill and rape folk, that that's, that's hate mongering. He said, I want to make America great again. Now here's, here's, here's the problem. This is how I'm tying this back into Charlottesville. He said, Let's make America great again. Now, if you make America great again, and if white supremacists think that the only way America can be great again is if America is all white. Right. See, that's their concept. Now, if you have cabinet members that are vocal in the alt-right movement, then that sends a message that, wait a minute, he believes like we believe that to make America great means to make America white. You know, and I'm not saying that's what he believes, but I'm saying that's how it comes across to that group of people. Yeah. And so from their perspective, it's almost as if he is supporting us in what we are doing. And and, and I say that because if you look at the, you know, the Southern Poverty Law Center, you know, they keep track of all the hate groups and this kind of thing. If you look at the the, uh, data that they have collected in 2016, most hate group chapters doubled. I can believe that. They doubled. Most of them doubled in 2016. So they, they were going down during the Obama presidency and they doubled in 2016. The reason why they doubled is because they felt like we have an ally. And, and you're right that it, it's become a team. It, 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 you know, so it's, it's not necessarily about right and wrong. It's about a team. And and I tell you, I don't vote team personally. Right. I don't vote team. I don't vote Democrat across the board just because they're Democrat. I vote Democrat for some offices and I vote Republican for some offices because I vote on what's best for humanity. Right. Not based on what's best for me personally, but what's best for humanity's sake. And see, I think that's what every Christian has an obligation to do. Our obligation has to be that our vote has to mirror the teachings of Christ. So we have to look for candidates that are closely aligned with the teachings of Christ. And that's how we should cast our vote so that we are trying to build a world that is a loving world, not a world that is hateful and always looking to destroy that which we don't like. Here's a, here's a, a president, for example, and you lead people. You heard him say, "Lead by example." Well, he he's doing just that. That's why <laughs> people are following him. Right. Anytime you say something that he doesn't like, he immediately comes out with something extremely negative. Yes. All right. The only black CEO he had on his manufacturing council made us resigned today. Resigned and said, "Hey, listen, I, I can't go along with uh, anyone that does not immediately." call out the white nationalists as hate groups. Now, it took him less than an hour, our president, less than an hour to come out and say something bad about this man. Right. But it took him three days to come out and say something bad against the KKK. When David Duke promoted him, it, 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 he, it, he took him I would say uh, never took 
because he, I don't recall him yet coming out and really, <laughs> no, really you know, denouncing the Klan. Right. They were they released a statement against David, which is funny, against what David Duke was saying, but not necessarily the KKK. Right. One thing that's really interesting about this is like the media, even the media is in on this, it seems like, like they just refuse to acknowledge that the KKK even exists. Even though I'm looking at TV, I see everybody dressed up. You see the hoods. Right. It's like they're standing right there. And when the that group um, marched on UVA's campus with the little tiki's, you know, they didn't have hoods on, but you can literally look and see it's like they just took everything off. It's mm-hmm. the same group of people, but you're not calling it what it is. Right. And I think that's another problem that we have. Like, you know, black people, we're the guy in the ocean that's waving his arm saying we're drowning. But people are looking and like, I don't do you see him? Mm-hmm. And they're saying, yeah, I see him. But does anybody else see him? I, I don't want to go help. So it's yeah. like you just everybody's just sitting there and then after a while they start ignoring you because you're always waving your hands. But it's like, right. look, this is what's going on. Yeah, I, I was at a what you're saying is is, is, is so, so true. Just give me a quick example. I was at a rally on yesterday that took place um, near Town Point Park, um, a unit, a unity rally. And one of the uh, young ladies that spoke. She was in Charlottesville. And one of the things she said was this, and I, I just, um, she, she really laid it out. Um, she said that she graduated from high school um, right down the street uh, on Virginia Beach Boulevard, near where we came from. And she indicated that she had been taught about, you know, racism, civil rights movement, and those kind of things. But she could not believe it was real until. This, you know, she really experienced it firsthand. And so her point was that for years she've heard blacks say we need improvements in our education system. We need improvements in how people view us socially. We need improvements in how we are, you know, we, we are viewed in job markets and things like that. And she said, we haven't listened. We, we've heard them talk. Mm-hmm. but We haven't really listened. And she said that white America, and she spoke to the white crowd, and she said that white America has to stop acting as if they really don't have white privilege and stop hiding behind their white skin. Right. Because the bottom line is, as you just said, we have been drowning ever since we've been in this country. Right. <laughs> you know, and and people have acted like we haven't. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody is living below poverty. And that's what we always point to, you know, when right. you live in this neighborhood or you live in that neighborhood and you have a, you have black CEOs, you have football players that are making this money of sports people making this money. That may be true that, you know, people are doing well, but the issue is equality and equity, not about how well am I doing, but what is the equity in right. how I got there? You know, it's just like with women, there are women who are doing well, but that don't mean that they are viewed, you know, equitably. That's right. When it concerns, you know, women and men in, in the workplace, it's, it's a different ball game. So you can't just say that they are they are doing well, or that you know they could be doing well if they would try harder. That's that's not the case. I I I, I, I say this. My mother told told me a long time ago. She said, "The reality of life is this: you were born black." That's the reality of life. 
Right. And this is when I was a little boy. And she said, here's what that means. You will need to know more than your white counterpart knows to get the same thing that they get. You will need to work harder than your counterpart works to get the same thing that they get. And that's just the reality of life. So don't ever come back and give me any excuses for not having. All right. Just put it in your mind. You're going to work twice as hard. Yeah. Black tax is very real. It's a, it's a real deal. And we pay it every day. Yeah. And people say the two things in life you got to do. Die and pay taxes. <laughs> Black folk pay taxes every, every day. Every day. <laughs> you know, because we, you know, when um, I sit around with people and they would talk about, you know, uh, opening a business, mm-hmm. you know, we got, we're sitting around figuring out how we're going to get the money. Mm-hmm. You know, where are we going to get this money from? Had the same conversation with a group of white people. They got like four or five banks they go to already. Like mm-hmm. we can go, uh, we'll go talk to Jim and Jim give us a loan for this. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but well, as black folks, we ain't got that. We got to go get a suit, put that on, walk into the bank and pray before mm-hmm. we go in there to Jesus. And I'm, one of the, I'm talking about one of the good prayers that, mm-hmm. the, that the man behind the desk is listening to me to get the pre-approval. Then we go through, you know how this whole process goes, Pastor. Then we get to the underwriting stage. Mm-hmm. And then that's when all the trouble starts coming. They start asking for all this paperwork, extra paperwork they weren't asking for before. And... Then sometimes the loan goes through, and sometimes it don't. Right, and more time than not, it don't go through. <laughs> right, and, and that's and that's the frustrating piece that, as you said, that I've had the conversations with with um, some of my white uh, friends, and they just don't understand it. No, they don't, and and they and they 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 won't unless they are with you, you know, and they see you get beat down, and they get beat down too. <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay. That's that's the thing. They have to get beat down too. But otherwise they don't. They, and to them it's kinda anecdotal. You know, they don't they don't really feel it. So they they don't really they, they, they really don't get the compassion that they need to, to, to do something about it. And, you know, I, I give another simple, simple example. You know, the neighborhood I live in is, you know, it's middle class neighborhood. And um I, re- I recall when we first moved into the neighborhood, we were probably about, about the fourth Fourth house in the neighborhood, actually. Now it's a thriving neighborhood. So at any rate, um, uh, when we moved in the neighborhood, uh, one one of our neighbors who happened to be white, I mean, well-meaning people. I don't think they had to do anything malicious. Right. But the neighbor came over and asked us a simple question. Why'd y'all move in here? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, my wife replies, uh, because we wanted a larger house. Right. And so she still said, well, but why'd y'all move in over here? You know, and now the, the deal is simple. Why did they move in over there? Right. You know, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I, the, the undertone for, of asking us why we would move into a neighborhood. And then the next question was, well, is your house going to be all brick or is it just going to be a brick front? You know, as if the, the question will, are we going to bring the property values down. down? Right. Now, the irony of it is my house is, has larger square, more square foot than her house. Right. You know, you know and, and this kind of thing. Now, and not only that, um, here's the thing. Uh, we're not talking to someone who has a salary of $500,000 a year. This is a school teacher asking us these questions. Mm. That's teaching our children. Right. But help, my point is this. You're a school teacher and you're questioning if I have enough money to live in the neighborhood as if school teachers make so much money that the neighborhoods they live in should be exclusive right. to a group of people. That, I mean, that's my point is that, you know, what, the black tax or that. And I'm not saying the person was 
trying to 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 um, be racist. But it's because, like you say, they don't even understand sometimes right. that they are contributing to that that you know that kind of racist undertone, and and so uh, that which will suggest to me that might not have happened that there are some conversations that went on in the home. Mm-hmm. Similarly, that means that their child heard those conversations. That means that their child is probably you know get that same thought process. Right. Is that well? We thought this neighborhood was going to be for us, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But who is us? It's us hum- humans, you know. So as if to say, well, we aren't humans, so therefore we shouldn't be in the neighborhood. Yeah. Let me ask you this question: um, Why do you feel that white people in general respond may respond that way, where if you're in an all black neighborhood and the white person moves in, we don't necessarily ask the person that question. You know, again, I, I, I got, I'm going to take it back to a, from a Christian standpoint. And I think it's because we have neglected to accept the principles of Christ teaching, which is one, we're all in this thing together. Right. You know, so, um, and if you, if you if, see, if you look at us all as children of God, then it doesn't matter who's in the neighborhood because you view us all as his child. Right. That means if we're all his children, I am your brother and I, or, you know, and you are my brother or you are my sister, you know, and you mm-hmm. don't mind your, your kinfolk moving in your neighborhood. But if you don't view us as having the same God, you don't view us as being true brothers. And that's what, that's my, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. How can you not view me as a brother and go to church? Right. When, according to the Bible, we all are God's children. And if we all are God's children, we should be living in the same neighborhood in harmony. Right. But apparently that's not how they think. Uh, now, I can tell you this. Um, I can tell you why I was told by a white person as to why that's a problem. You know, I, when I worked um, worked for the federal government, I worked for an agency, and one of the in, young ladies that worked f- uh, for me, um, we were discussing work as we were leaving the office. And we go down the elevator, we get to the bottom floor, and I'm talking, and I realize that she's no longer beside me. <laughs> and I look back, and she's gone. So I just go ahead and walk out the front door and get to my go to my car. The next day she comes to me and she says, Mr. Daines, I need to apologize to you. And I say, oh, for what? And she says, well, I disrespected you. And I said, what do you mean? She said, when we got downstairs in the lobby, I looked outside and saw my husband sitting in the car. I knew if he saw me walking beside you, there would be a big argument when I got in the car and when I got home. And I said, but doesn't he know I'm your supervisor and that, you know, I am a black man? And she says, yeah, but, you know, we weren't at work then. We were off. So therefore, I shouldn't be talking to you. Wow. You know, and, and you know, but so I asked her. Right. I'm, com- I'm as confused as I can be. What, why is there such fear and animosity? He doesn't even know me. And she said, it's not about you. She said, this is what we've been taught. She says, think about the fact that if you have one drop of black blood, you are considered to be black. Right. I said, true. She said, therefore, if a white man gets a black woman pregnant, the child is black. Right. 
for a black man gets a white woman pregnant, the child is black. She said, you all are the only race that if you all get somebody pregnant, the child becomes you. Yeah. And that's the fear that there will be no more white people. There will be no more Asian people. There will be no more anybody if black men interact with women. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And, and, and due to their system that they set up, that would be true. Right. It's because it is not based on anything other than the fact that they want to categorize us right. based on something that is purely, purely aesthetic. Right. You know, I, I will say there was when I went to um, Paris and I was in the um, airport and you don't really encounter that many um, people who practice Islam in America. Mm -hmm. You have to really like go look for it. Mm -hmm. But in an international airport in Paris, I forget the name of it. They were everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it, the new, there was a terrorist attack that happened a couple of weeks before I was there. So I felt this little slight tinge of fear. Mm -hmm. I said, you know what, CB, this is what it must feel like for a white person to see black people. And the reason why I say that is because there was nothing that this person did that had on mm -hmm. the full garment and mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. But I was preconditioned by watching the news, watching television shows to have somewhat of a fear for this person. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, wait a minute, this person ain't done nothing. Now, I caught myself. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Where I think a lot of people in America may not be catching themselves. Like when you get on the elevator with a, with a black person and you see the woman, you know, they close, they clutch the purse. Like, mm -hmm. like everybody ain't bad, you know, right. you know, yeah. it's like, so matter of fact, the is the severe minority of every racial group mm -hmm. and every religious group, in my opinion, that would be on the negative side of things or just the violent side or just right. really looking out to harm you. Right. That's true. And yeah. that's where I, that's what's make that's why I said I'm so disappointed about what happened in Charlottesville mm -hmm. because now we're focused on a severe small group of people that's now got amp it's like you put an amplification to it mm -hmm. to showing everybody else this is what you could be like. Well, let me, I'm gonna say this to you, and I don't you probably you, you may be perfectly you know you may be right, but here's what my theory is that it's not a small group. Yeah, that's, yeah. See, my fear is, see, here's the thing. I heard people say, I voted for Trump because he says what I believe. Mm. Yeah. You know, you know, so what my fear is, is that what if these groups that we call fringe are not fringe? What if the local pharmacist really does think the way that that person thinks Right. They just don't wear a hood. Right. You know, what if the person teaching my child thinks the way that person thinks, but they just don't wear a hood? You know, that's that's I guess that that's my fear, because you, you when you are when you are out eating in a restaurant and the person is serving you food. What if that person thinks the same way? You right. know, you, you, you know, you, you don't know. And, and see, the, the fear that for me is if it's not a. um and, you know, a fringe. But if it is an indication of where people really are, but before now, we just were afraid to say it. And now they feel emboldened to say it. I hope you're right. I really do hope you're right. But I'm afraid that 
Um, right now, for example, those separatist ideas make up about 38% of polls say about 38% of our population. Wow. That, that's a huge that's number. A, that's a huge number. That's yes, a huge number. That's, that's more than one in three. Right. That, that, that has that kind of, and, not, and, and that separative idea may not be a black, white separation, but a nationalist, a nationalist kind of mindset. Right. And a nationalist mindset is still prejudiced. Right. You know, and that's when you, um, at the moment, I kind of wish I had somebody here that I have a couple of friends that are a part of the nation of Islam. I would love to hear what they would have to say right now because they've been preaching from day one to be separate. They didn't want um, inequality or desegregation. Right. You yeah. know, so which is, once again, another subject yes. for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had a, a really um, good discussion. So a uh, pastor. What suggestions do you have for us in, in the congregation of Enoch Baptist Church for what we can do individually to help bring the country back together? Well, I, I would say two things we have to do. Number one, we have to first um, align ourselves with individuals that promote love, that promote love over hate, and that and that are willing to stand up for love over hate. We cannot stay on the sidelines anymore. So when there are unity rallies, we need to attend those unity rallies. We need to be out there in full force letting those who think hate is the way to go to let them know, no, we will not be silent. We are united uh, and not just united because we're African-Americans, but we're united with Jews. We're united with uh, Muslims. We're united with blacks, whites, uh, Asians. We're united with all those that promote love. And that's what we need to do. The second thing we need to do is to exercise our right to vote. We have to start voting for candidates that demonstrate through their lifestyle and demonstrate through their um, the way they espouse the political arena that they understand and accept Christian principles to be the guiding principles that they will follow when they are elected officials. All right. You heard it here, people. This is Joel C.B. Baker. Till next time.